Braves and baseball fans, it's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to another edition of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley, joined by Caleb Johnson in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We have a rousing Braves discussion in line for you. We've got all kinds of other great baseball stuff to talk about, whether it be Aaron Judge's assault on the American League home run record or more specifically, perhaps, what Albert Pujols did on Friday as he joined a very exclusive club when it comes to home runs. We're going to get to all of that and, of course, get you set up for what's ahead for the Braves because, Caleb, right now they are in crunch time. This is the most important that it can possibly get when you're in a division title race down to the last, what, 10 or so days now, and the Braves have got a few things to address, and we're going to talk about them here on this show. I love your the, the optimism in your voice right now. I feel like I find myself in a position where, you know, I, the little, little Eeyore syndrome kind of okay. coming on of like, oh... Here we go. You know, I'm just, I feel so uncertain right now for this team. You know, I feel like that is something that's been more or less programmed into Atlanta sports fans, <laughs> sure. perhaps Braves fans over the past couple of decades because so many different times they would get to October and nothing would really happen. But the Braves of 2021, I do feel like, to use that old phrase, they killed that narrative at least and sure. gave you reasons to believe that this is a club that can do some big things in October because. They did the biggest thing you can possibly do, and I don't think when they went into the postseason last year that anybody was looking at the Atlanta Braves as a juggernaut that was going to go on and knock off opponents that included the Los Angeles Dodgers to get to the World Series and the Houston Astros once they got to the World Series. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves or way too far back in the past. I'm not really sure which one. I feel like Marty McFly right now because I am <laughs> kind of stuck in time some way or another. But the bottom line is that right now the Braves have got to figure out a way to you know, right the ship, so to speak. And they're sending the right man on the right day, perhaps the right job. His name is Kyle Wright, and he's gunning for his 20th win on Saturday. That will be quite an accomplishment. He's been one of the highlights of this team, but the Braves need a win no matter how it happens and no matter who ends up getting the credit for that because I think that we knew in this final run through the month of September in particular, but in the lead-up to this battle against the New York Mets that will be happening head-to-head about a week from now, This New York club is not the same one that we've seen in years past, and they continue to prove it, and they've also got a schedule that has become rather helpful for them to at least try to keep the Braves at an arm's distance down the stretch. It was something that we've talked about for a while, the fact of previous previous Mets teams have often collapsed, and and honestly, by this point, you knew where you stood with them. This is a different team. You don't like Cohen putting money into that team the wins have started to produce and, and especially yeah. like their activity at the trade deadline, Vogelbach and others, you know, those guys are, are producing for them. And so, and it's, it's not helping at the same time that this recent Braves collapse that's really making things. Well, let me not say collapse. Yeah, I was that, gonna say uh, that, okay, that, that we might very, be too far ahead here. And that might be the kind of foreshadowing that will make some people very uncomfortable. Sure. Uh, and I, and I guess I see that because it, it just, uh, 
I've watched too many like defeatist games recently. It seems like from the Braves, where uh, things not going their way, and it, and it's you know even from maybe a managerial perspective of like, hey, you want to shoot some life back into this team because uh, they're going to need it, and, and you want to reach the Mets series where you're still. You still have a chance. You control you know? your own destiny. Exactly. The Braves have talked about that throughout. And let's hear from the manager of this club because Brian Snitker has been around the Atlanta Braves as the, as the man calling the shots here for, what, six years now. And he's been around the Braves organization for over four decades. He's seen a lot of baseball, I guess is what I'm saying. He's seen this club up close and personal. And this is a team that, Caleb, if they do win seven of their final 11 games, which is something that they've the, the clip that they've won on all season long, they still have a chance to win 100 games. Now, will that be enough to topple the Mets? Only time will tell, and as we know, time is ticking down. But for Brian Snitker, I mean, he's one of those guys that I feel like he is the steady hand that this club needs because he does not allow them to get too high or too low. And right now they are clearly in the lows. So as far as how they turn it around, what does Brian Snitker have to say about that? We'll let him tell you. This guy's trying to not do too much. I mean, that's the biggest thing when you get in ruts like this. Everybody wants to be the guy. Get you off the floor, and, and you try too hard. And it's just the way that's human nature. These guys all want to do good. They're all trying really hard. They're working hard, and it just doesn't always happen. That's just, let's say, that's what keeps us all coming back here to this. And, and um, these guys, they're going to keep fighting the fight, and they're going to keep getting after it. They're going to keep working, and eventually it'll, you know, it'll turn. And I think that it will, and the Braves have shown over time. I mean, every time they lose three games in a row, and they've never lost more than three at any point this season, which I think is already something that you can say, wow, they've kept themselves out of the long losing streak, even though they started off the season so poorly in April and, and, and May, they seem to answer with a series sweep, an eight-game winning streak. They've done that a couple of times after having some uh, some rough patches and losing a handful of games. And, of course, the way you lose is also a big reason why we can sit here and talk about how disconcerting are some of these losses. You lose a game one to nothing to the Phillies to start out a series. Then you get pounded in the second game. That's a totally different kind of loss. But either way, Caleb, the Braves' offense has been struggling, and they're going to have to figure out a way to turn it around. And by they, I mean multiple guys are going to have to get through whatever is ailing them at the moment. Yeah, now the good thing is, is – Hearing from Brian Sticker, you know he's like a he's like a loving grandfather kind of guy of, of you know making sure that 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 positivity, it's that mindset, yeah, that that it stays there. Uh, and you know he's a guy who, when somebody, especially the top of the order, was struggling, he spoke about this last week, where you know so I think someone asked him a question of, "Hey, you're going to shake up the lineup," and he's like, "Well, guys are still going to come up to the bat no matter right. where they are in right. the lineup." So you know they they've kind of got to work through this. Now, he's obviously had to step into a level of, you know, given a guy like Matt Olson, whose who's OPS has dropped 55 points in yeah. the month of September, yeah. uh, given, you know, him uh, a day off and just seeing, you know, get yourself together and, and just take a breather and, and get back into this thing, especially as, as they play these final uh, two weeks and, and hit the playoffs. Yeah, and I think it was kind of time for Matt Olson to maybe decompress. But I've said this, and I'll maintain this, giving him a bunch of time off isn't an option right no. now. Giving him a day at this point, I guess I understand it. He went 0 for 4 with three punch outs on Friday night. It, the ball will find you, and by that I mean like it'll find you at your spot in the lineup with runners on base. It will continually, the game will come back around, and you will have that opportunity to either sink or swim. And when you're going through it the way Matt Olson is, a guy batting 111 with two extra base hits in the month of September, and we're sitting here on Saturday the 24th talking about 
uh, a rough patch. This is more than just a couple of series for Matt Olson, but it's more than just Matt Olson as far as this Braves lineup struggles. Let's hear from Dansby Swanson, a guy who has slowed down a little bit in the second half as well, but yeah, I, I feel like he's continued to come up with some big hits when the Braves need him to, and is a guy who's been around to see the Braves in both their highs and lows. As He talks about kind of the, the current woes and the direction that they want to take right now to navigate the lows that they're in. Nobody wants to win more than players. Nobody cares more than the players and obviously the staff. Uh, we want to perform. We want to do well. We know everyone understands what's at stake. And like I said, at times, you know, you can almost overemphasize something. You can overanalyze it. You can do things to get in your own way to not let your natural ability shine. You know, you want something so bad instead of just kind of letting it come to you. So, uh, you know, it's definitely something that we gotta that, that we need to figure out. Um, just how to find that balance of sense of urgency, but also allow our God-given abilities to take over. Uh, And, you know, I think it is something that we've shown that we can do and will do, so uh, it's just a matter of time. Here's the thing you don't hear in Dansby Swanson's voice, and that is panic. And I think that that's something that you don't want the players doing all of a sudden because you're going to naturally press. I mean, heck, I I was pressing just to get here to the studio one time (laughs) because there's bad traffic. So if you think that this guy, Matt Olson in particular, or any of these guys that have had a down week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, aren't feeling it every time they step up to the plate – then you know you're you're not reading from the same script that they are. But in baseball, especially, you get a new game every day, and that can be a blessing and a curse. Because in other sports, you get a little bit more time, maybe to get away from it, then come back to it. Sometimes it's a weekly thing. Sometimes it's three times a week. In the case of say the NBA or the NHL, but regardless, you got to figure out a way to find yourself in the midst of your struggles and get back to the thing that you know how to do, because it's not like these guys don't know how to play. It's just this is some bad timing at the very least. Yeah, and I, I think I, you have to appreciate, if, if you're a Braves fan, listening to Dansby and hearing something like that, I think I would also like to hear that from Matt, uh, because, and I have to assume he's got to feel the same way, whereas you, you're you hearing every day, you're seeing the numbers yeah. as an athlete of, you know, oh, it's dropping, oh, it's dropping, it's dropping, you know, and so you're fully aware, and so that idea of, you know, trying not to press too hard, uh, even though there's going to be that level of like, all right, this is, you know, now I'm going to snap out of this, now, you know, it'll happen now, you know, and so... Uh, I think it'll be good for for Olsen, you know, maybe just to just to clear his head, to get yeah. away from just a second, uh, to come back and reset. It's just really bad timing. Yeah, but that's really where you're coming to. Is is you know you need these games, especially against a team yeah. like the Phillies, who you don't want to have to see as a wild card team later on. I mean, you, you have two things that are going on here. You're going to get real familiar with the Phillies if you're not already. Yeah. The Braves swamped them in Atlanta. Philly has answered with a couple of salvos to start out the weekend series. But, you know, when you are you know, Matt Olson in the midst of this, and I know David O'Brien had a great article about Matt's struggles in which he spoke to Matt at length about it. And, you know, Matt, he's a soft-spoken guy. He's Very not going so. to be the guy that's out in front of the clubhouse, you know, making proclamations because I think as much as anything, you know, he still kind of feels like the new kid around here because this is a club that just won the World Series. He gets traded over. Yes, Atlanta's home for him, but he's not the focal point, nor has he been the focal point for this team or the the tenured veteran. I've heard Austin Riley kind of joke that he feels like a grizzled veteran in this clubhouse at this point just because of the way that the club has evolved over the past couple of years. And first base was a big change, but I think that Matt has kind of come in and quietly tried to go about his business, but there has to be some pressure that he's felt throughout the course of the year, and at no time do I feel the pressure has been any higher than it has been here in September. And he talked about the process he's going through. He knows that he's missing pitches, and it's hard to be successful when you are missing those good pitches. So 
How do you make those adjustments? You continue to work. And I do feel like he has that workman-like mentality and has continued to go out there and try to hit his way through it. The results, though, have simply not been what they need to be. The Braves' offense, though, is more than just Matt Olson. We know that. And we know September's been a tough one for him. I went back and crunched the numbers. Through the month of August, the Braves are scoring nearly six runs per game, 5.7 runs per game if you're into exact stats. They're down to just over four runs per game here in the month of September, and we've seen lately, especially beginning with the finale, our last, last couple of games against the Washington Nationals and rolling into this road trip, the offense is not coming up with big hits with runners in scoring position. And, you know, Dansby Swanson talked about this as well. It's more than just, you know, trying to navigate the mental side of things physically. They can see, you know, when they're missing their opportunities. So he talked about dealing with the multiple things that are being thrown at them right now and trying to get through it. I wish it was always as easy as just one thing. Um, I feel like there's definitely multiple things going on. It, we've, we've been getting pitched tough, been getting pitched well. I wouldn't say that everyone is just super in their flow at the moment either. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. So, you know, when you got guys throwing the ball well and guys a little bit, you know, just kind of teetering, you know, trying to feel some things that can lead to, you know, some struggles offensively. So uh, I think the biggest and best thing we can do is just kind of get out of our brains and into our bodies a little bit more and uh, just go play, go enjoy ourselves and, you know, get back to doing, you know, what we were born to do. And look, nobody's enjoying losing baseball games, least of which a club that, as we've talked about, and, you know, to a certain extent, you just have to kind of plant the flag there and say, hey, this, all that we did last year still matters to a certain point, but our mission here is to get back to the top of that mountain again. And I feel like that's kind of where the focus is at the moment. But when it comes to overcoming adversity, Brian Snitker talked about this as well. This club is no stranger to being able to find its way through the valleys to get back to the peaks that they are accustomed to. We went through these before. We went through them a couple times this year. And I say if you handle it and you keep grinding and you keep working, and, and like I always said, that, that if you handle adversity, there's good things on the back end of it, and we're, we know what we're capable of doing. It doesn't always happen. I mean, that's kind of the nature of this business. And like I said, we've been through this more than once this year, so we'll just keep fighting and, you know, we'll get her going again. It's the steady hand approach, and I do feel like, you know, the less panic you have, the better, particularly at this time in these games that they have, to his point, been in before. Well, like I said earlier, you know, this, this feeling of – Eorism might be around just because they're not winning right now. However, I have to say, you know, something I said earlier this year when they were going through that losing slump and just really not being able to put it together, it was right. like, well, this team can't just mimic what they did last year because that was such a rare instance. And then they went on that long tear of winning right. game, you know, and it was kind of <laughs> like, okay, I guess they can't, you know. So it's yeah. one of those, even amidst this this feeling right now where uh, you know, not everyone's healthy and you're having to deal with all these different issues. They have done it before. And so you have to have faith that that at some point uh, here in the next, hopefully, you know, today, you know, even that they can turn things around. Yeah, you just got to know who you are. And sometimes it's a little harder to figure that out from day to day. But that, of course, is a baseball season. That, of course, is also life. We got a lot more <laughs> to talk about here, baseball and perhaps a little bit of life on From the Diamond. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Take a look around the league with more of our From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome back. This is From the Diamond. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. we got lots of Braves discussion to get into as it is the stretch drive. The Braves are down to their final 11 games as they head into the weekend. A Saturday matchup with the Phillies. They'll wrap that series on Sunday. And the road trip continues with three in Washington. And then, oh, by the way, uh, the New York Mets, one more time. Three games. We're going to see how it all you know, looks at this point. 
clearly because a lot can happen on a given day for the Braves and for the New York Mets who are getting into that part of the schedule where they can really do some damage to the clubs that they're facing. And if the Braves don't get some, some things figured out offensively, do some damage to where the Braves are in the standings as Atlanta heads into Saturday, two and a half games back. It's still manageable, Caleb, but as we know, a lot can change. With the Braves' loss and the Mets' win every single day, that number can grow, and we've seen that happen a couple of times this year where it seems like the Braves get close, they grab a share of first place in, in one case, and then all of a sudden it's a half a game, a game, a game and a half, two and a half, and you're running out of days. You're pulling all those days off the calendar. So how many opportunities do you have? And the, the answer is very few at this point. Yeah, well, and it, and it seems like the catalyst of all of this is you've got to get Ronald Acuna healthy and get him yeah. back in the lineup. You know, I was I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and I knew it had there was that three-game stretch where he didn't play three straight and they lost all three. Right. But it was like since the All-Star break, he hasn't played in six games, and they've lost all six of those games. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Like we've really reached that point at this second half of the season where Ronald Acuna's got to be in the game to get a win. And I mean, I mean, honestly, it's one of those, like, if he's not going to be healthy, they're going to have to turn that fade around. But uh, otherwise, you need him back. Yeah, it's kind of a barometer for the Braves' success. I mean, you knew that the team was going to be better when Ronald Acuna Jr. Sure. plays. Even if you're getting 65 75% of Ronald Acuna Jr. and he's still dealing with a knee issue, you just felt better when he was in the game and had a chance to bat four times and maybe make a few plays. And you had to feel really encouraged by the way he was playing heading into this road trip against the Philadelphia Phillies because he had been making plays in the outfield. We'd seen him do it with the arm, diving catches. He's hitting home runs again, extra base hits, scoring runs, stealing bases, doing all that stuff. Now all of a sudden it's not just the surgically repaired knee that's a bit of a problem for Acuna at times. Now it's a back issue that he felt prior to game one against the Phillies. He continues to be out of the lineup heading through Saturday. And this is something that, I mean, no injury is is well-timed, quite obviously. You don't want anybody to get injured over the course of a season, but you know it's going to happen. But as far as the Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. and winning, you know, we've seen this play out, as you mentioned, since the All-Star break in a less-than-favorable fashion for Atlanta. And that doesn't seem to be the kind of thing they can afford right about now with 11 games to play. And hearing that it was the the back issue and not the knee is one of those, you know, oftentimes you hear about, like, I've had a grandparent who had a hip replaced and then ended up having to have a knee replacement because of the way that they, you know, kind of contorted their body to yep. to kind of help out with the hip issue. And so I wonder, all right, is him, you know, with the knee injury, is that kind of a proponent and something that led to the back? And so yeah, like, we hear this a lot with pitchers. Yeah, and, and so it's like, I mean – but how much rest at this point, you know, beside an absolute shutdown, can you can you really get that's going to get you back to 100%? And so that that's really where my concern comes in, especially as they've played this game of, like, we're not going to put him on the injury list because right. they need him. Right. And yet, you know, how – to what extent is it going to get better at this point? Yeah, and these September numbers we discussed earlier, I mean, the Braves are down to 4.2 runs per game this month, and that's down a run and a half from what they were putting up there in September. I mean, that's a big change for this offense, and, and Ronald Acuna Jr., save a handful of games, has been in there for most of those, but this still continues to be a struggle that's not just one guy in the lineup. We talked a lot about Matt Olson, and justifiably so, because... 
I don't think anybody has been more of the, you know, the poster child for what has gone wrong in the month of September, and that's a regrettable place to be. No two ways about it. But when you look at the OPS, pretty much to a man, other than, say, Michael Harris II, yeah. this has been a bit of an underperforming month. I think Austin Riley has shown some signs of breaking out with it. Some multi-hit games against the Phillies. The home runs are still flying for him. He wasn't able to replicate the month of July that was so record-setting, but I don't know that you could expect 26 extra base hits a month out of Austin Riley. That might be a little bit high, but either way, you got to get him, Dansby going, you got to get Ronald Acuna Jr. back in there, and then you have to figure out what's happening with Matt Olson, who we did see drop a little bit in the lineup. I think that is something that may continue. If it's not working for him at fifth, maybe sixth, seventh, you know, somewhere down there. I think there's that rabbit's foot that hangs out in the ninth spot of the order where anybody that goes there seems to find gold, so... I don't know if Maddelson's going to end up hitting ninth for this club, but that's been a weird thing. They've got 90-plus RBI out of the ninth spot in the order. That is not something that I expected. But when we talked about things that could buoy the Braves and give them maybe that little shot of momentum that they needed to kind of break out of those offensive doldrums, we thought, hey, the return of Ozzie Albies could be that kind of spark. I mean, the Braves have gotten some sparks from some different players that have been you know, either called up or put back in the lineup at a certain time. Well, Ozzie Albies got about 24 hours total back in the lineup he played in two games, and the second of which he fractured the pinky finger on his right hand. He is done for the regular season. They maintain some hope he could join them in the postseason, but of course, that's not for sure for certain because we don't know how far the Braves are going to be able to get in the postseason. But you talk about the things that you can't really afford, and some things that can you know negatively affect the, the overall mentality and the morale of a club. Getting a star player back and then losing them immediately can't be a thing that feels awful good. Yeah, that Friday night game when Ozzy Alves came back, like the excitement that you could see from the players, specifically Brian Snicker too, you know, a guy who was was very lively and joking about, well, you know, Ozzy's bringing a lot back to the the clubhouse and right. to the dugout, but you know, we had kind of, you know, we had every, everything going, and there's plenty of guys that that have kept the the charisma and the excitement of the team going. However, like you knew. Uh, like getting to have the debate of what happens with Vaughn Grissom, you know, where are they going to plug him in and mm-hmm. he's going to have to become a team player and all of these sorts of things. It was this embarrassment of riches that the, that the Braves were getting just a week ago. And yet you come a week later from that. And, and now you're like, yeah, okay. Everybody struck, you know, the, the energy shot of getting Ozzy back would really help right now. And yeah. so that's why it, it feels uh, it feels so defeatist to see where this team has been. Where you talk about like the offense struggling, I, I noticed that that they've got four extra base hits and six runs in their past four games. Right, no home runs in the last three, and that's synonymous with the Braves winning. You look at their record when they hit a home run; they've got what about a seven fifty eight hundred winning percentage. When they don't hit a home run, they are below five hundred, and it's not surprising because this is who the Braves are, and everybody's known that for a while, and it's worked out to great effect, but. Yeah, the home runs are not coming. The strikeouts are. They're not really getting on base a lot. And the big hits, the runners in scoring position, to see the nights where it's 0 for 6, 0 for 7, 0 for 8. I mean, you know, a day or two where that happens, that's baseball. Multiple days where that seems to go on feels kind of like the way that they were back in April and May when they were searching for somebody, anybody, to start driving in some runs. And that's when the schedule comes into play with this grant, where it's like, you know, the Braves aren't getting teams, you know, like, the A's and others who are out of playoff contention, who are really looking towards 2023. No, 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 no. They're getting a team like the Phillies who, you know, if they don't right the ship are, are going to probably see them in the wild card. You know, they're, they're the Marlins, like they don't like the Braves. So like, that's a team that's not going to give up just because Atlanta is in no. town. And so, and nor should they, 
sure, and that's why like it makes that even more difficult that you reach that point of uh, there. There's no freebies at this point, uh, and and it almost feels like that's what the Braves need a little bit of, uh, but that's just not something that that they're lucky enough to run into right now. And it's crazy that we're sitting here talking about a club that, yeah, they lost three in a row heading into Saturday, but they just come off a five-game winning streak. So how did it go from (laughs) you know a sweep of the Philadelphia Phillies and taking a series from the Nationals, who they should be beating in a series every time that they play, at the very least taking the two out of three? Because even a bad club is going to win a third of its games most years because that would make them 54 and 108. By my math, that's a pretty bad team, but yeah. it still says they win a third of the time, so mm-hmm. you can't count on them to roll over every single time. Be that as it may, it's the Braves' offense that needs to get things going because I feel like the pitching staff has more than held its own despite the fact that it's had to deal with some ups and downs and some injuries now that we are going to talk about when it comes to Spencer Strider in particular as we continue. But it's circling in on this offense, and Mark Bowman of MLB.com put this out earlier, which saved me a lot of reading uh, on uh, Baseball <laughs> Reference, but – OPS in the month of September. You might be surprised to know that Travis Darno. There's a reason he's in the cleanup spot right now. And Matt Olson got bumped down. It's because Darno has a nearly 950 OPS this month. But other than him, there are only two men with an OPS over 800. That's on base plus slugging. And for a good hitting club like the Braves, they're a team that can OPS as a club over 800. But you've got Robbie Grossman right at that threshold. William Contreras just below. Von Grissom just below. Acuna just over 700. Swanson under 700 at right about 650. And then you got Matt Olson, who is OPSing 377 this month. As I mentioned earlier, he's one hitting 111, and he has two extra base hits, one homer, one double, and he's only driven in four runs since hitting that grand slam in Pittsburgh. So if you don't think Matt Olson's very well aware of what's going on, everybody's well aware of what's going on. It's just how do you get it going? And who can help out at this time? It's been other guys who haven't necessarily been able to. But I would circle Travis Darno's name as one of those that this is a great time for him. And, and this is somebody that the Braves have leaned on in so many different ways to help lead this pitching staff, to be an offensive force behind the plate, maybe one that you didn't expect to get back to the kind of highs that he's shown this year. Then you put him in tandem with William Contreras, and the Braves are getting unheard of production behind the plate for an Atlanta club, I'll say anyway. The last time I remember Braves catchers getting this kind of of production, putting it up for Atlanta, was when Javi Lopez hit the 43 home runs in 2003 and and then headed off to Baltimore as a free agent. But this group of Contreras and Darno, Darno and Contreras, however you want to put it, there is no other catching tandem in baseball that's been as productive as those two. And this is a year where the Braves have sorely needed it. And now they're going to have to lean on both of them, I think, in the lineup because you got Darno and William both getting starting spots, one behind the plate and one at DH, and particularly with Acuna out, there are just so many reasons why I feel like these two guys are key players in the next 10 days, two weeks. It was so funny earlier this week, uh, I can't remember what game it was, it was one of them earlier this week that I was covering, and, and Snit was asked about, uh, it was a big game from from Travis Darno and um, he was asked about that catching position and how it's been, and he called it Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, uh, it's been like having Johnny Bench back there <laughs> from a from a stats perspective. Yeah, well, and I think also too because he mentioned the fact of you know what they went through when Travis went down last year, yeah, the carousel, and, exactly, and how it how it became such an a, an embarrassing carousel full of of guys who you know some even really shouldn't have necessarily gotten the opportunity, but it just it it got that uh, you know. You had to try somebody, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's been more of it this year is is to see just how much uh, having both of those guys lock down the position, what they've done, not only behind the plate, obviously William really improving that position, but then obviously what they've done with their bat 
has just been so impressive. And then, as you you know, you briefly mentioned Robbie Grossman. He's going to be a really fun yeah. trivia question years from now. Uh, you know, his role in this team, and, and that's once again another opportunity where Alex Anthopoulos came through huge at, at a position where I know at the trade deadline, I don't know if there were too many of us going like, oh, man, Robbie Grossman's no, so fourth excited. Or fifth yeah, outfielder, right? Exactly. You know, it was one of those like, all right, cool, guess he did something, you know, but but uh, he's been another one that's been so crucial at, at specific times to to really pull the stream team through. He really has, and when you think about the struggles of Marcelo Zuna on the field yeah. in, in specific, and of course Eddie Rosario's season has been almost a lost year for him, though he is swinging the bat, I feel like, better as of late, and hopefully – you get that chance to have Eddie Rosario come up and sure, do yeah. anything close to an encore of what he did last year. The Braves could sorely use that right now. Braves catchers, though, to kind of button up this discussion, 863 OPS for the season. That is Thompson all of baseball. Uh, when it comes to batting average, they're hitting just under 280, which is third, and they've combined for 34 home runs. This doesn't count when they start as DHs, but just the, the work behind the plate and all those home runs come from William Contreras and Travis Darno, and they're split about 50-50 down the middle. They have done a tremendous job. And as far as runs knocked in this year, 92 RBI from the men behind the plate with about, what, 10, 11 games left to go. So this is a group that has far exceeded its expectations, has done its work behind the plate and at the plate and helped leading this staff. We're going to talk a lot about the pitching staff coming up because there was some big news on Saturday. Spencer Strider headed to the injured list. What does that mean for the Braves down the stretch? What does that mean for the Braves heading into the postseason? We'll discuss all of that here on From the Diamond. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now, more From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome back in From the Diamond with Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson. Here on a Saturday afternoon from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We appreciate you joining us. As always, make sure you're subscribed to From the Diamond wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on the Odyssey app and make sure you are following along on social media. I am at Grant McCauley. Caleb, let people know where they can catch you. ATL Johnson 18. There you go. Get all those numbers and all the proper city acronyms in the correct order as well. Make sure you're following the station, of course, at 92.9 The Game and From the Diamond at From the Diamond with an underscore on the end, please do not kick that can any further down the road. Uh, as far as the Braves are concerned in their starting rotation, this was a an area of strength. This was something that we knew <laughs> that the Braves have been able to rely on for its success in 2022, and it's come from some unsung heroes in some cases and in other cases, in particular Spencer Strider. It's come from somebody whose praises have been sung pretty much from the moment that he stepped on the mound this year, but definitely from the moment that he joined the Atlanta Braves rotation, something people were clamoring for. Fastest pitcher in baseball history to get to 200 strikeouts. He did it in 130 innings. He's got 202 punch-outs and a strong Rookie of the Year candidacy. Unfortunately, Caleb, he's also got some discomfort in his left oblique. He felt it again throwing on the side. He's landed on the injured list, and that is going to keep him sidelined as far as his injured list stint until at least the what penultimate day of the season, last day of the season the Braves might have him to use. Of course, then you're going to be sitting thinking about how to set up your playoff roster. But either way, we knew he was going to skip a start, and now we know that Spencer Strider is going to be down for at least two turns through the rotation. This is the kind of thing that when you talk about ill-timed slumps, there's never a good time for an injury, as I said earlier, and this is one of those that you would have loved to have had Spencer Strider available in that head-to-head three-game series against the New York Mets, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I think that was what everybody was looking towards because you know we, we had been told that this was – uh, you know, it's a little something. They just want to give him a little time, and and you 
you wonder, you know, this is the most innings pitch that he's ever had in his entire career. And so, you know, you think, okay, this is this is perfect. It's fine. It's no need to be concerned. You know, I, I looked, it was all the way back July 23rd is when media really started harping on Snid of like, you're going to put an innings limit on Spencer Strider. Yeah, know, and, and he was like, nope, not doing it. We've talked to doctors. We know the science and it, it doesn't yeah. work. Uh, you know, it's just something that we don't need to do. And yet we reach a point when I I get like they didn't need an innings limit on it, but it just like the timing of it is like, oh, come on right now. Like right. You're, you're telling me his next start, you know, you, you mentioned the fact of, yeah, that that final day of the season, he could come back. But the reports that I'd saw I'd seen today were that, you know, that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. they're saving him for the playoffs. Right. And yet I'm the kind of person who goes, I do not want a guy making his first start or making his first appearance back, in, you know, in, in a Braves uniform. In the playoffs, like you want a guy ramping up and and being, you know, ready to go by that point. And so then there's that level of like this was a guy who we expected to help us, yeah. you know, win the these big games. Now you gotta wait uh, and and hope that when we do see his return, that it's back to the same level of dominance that it had been all year. Right, and I would say if this was any other guy to make the counter argument to that, I would have more reservations yeah. about it. But I, I just feel like yeah. other than Max Fried, you know, the Braves do not have another starting pitcher that I believe in the stuff and the ability. I mean, as I've said before, and I'll continue to say, if you're if you're designing a starting pitcher who should have playoff success <laughs> or be the kind of arm that you want in your rotation for the playoffs. How could it not be Spencer Strider? I mean, this is a guy who misses bats, doesn't give up many hits, pounds the strike zone, doesn't walk very many guys, doesn't give up very many homers, and he's had a historically great rookie season. This, of course, is the timing of – and obliques are such a fluky injury because you can have all the innings limits you want on guys. I mean, you, you see different hitters who strain an oblique, and it's a maddening kind of an injury because the only thing that helps it is time. Max Scherzer's gone through this a couple of times this mm-hmm. year, and – I don't think anybody's thought about limiting his innings. Of course, Absolutely he's been not. pitching for a decade and a half. But, you know, Max Scherzer's dealt with his own things and dealt with it last postseason because he had what he described as a dead arm in the playoffs and the Braves did not see him in game six of the NLCS. So yeah, there's a lot of different things where I do believe that there's just no way to circumvent every kind of injury. If Spencer Strider was dealing with a lot of arm fatigue, a shoulder or elbow ailment or something like that, then I would start to wonder about, well, did they tax him too much with the innings? This, though, is a more very is a much more specific and much more fluky and possible to predict kind of injury, not that you can really predict any of them, or I guess we'd be in the business of <laughs> sure. trying to stop them all before they happen. But uh, to make a long story short, this is something that is going to be one of the biggest stories for the Braves as they move toward the postseason because I don't know how you would line yours up, but I had pretty much arrived at the decision quite a few weeks, if not over a month or two ago. If you're lining up for that three-game wildcard series and you've got to win, I'm not asking Spencer Strider to go back to the bullpen and throw a couple of innings here or there. I want him starting a game. I want Max Fried in game one, Spencer Strider in game two, and then you kind of figured it out down the stretch between Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton, whoever you felt like was maybe the best one, knowing that the other, if you advance, is going to be waiting to throw either game one or possibly game two of the NLDS because the off-day situation is, quite frankly, there's not very many of them, and you're going to have to lean on at least four starters to get through the first three rounds. I think... You're still in a position where Spencer Strider is healthy. You know, like if if there's no concern about this oblique injury getting any any worse, then that still should be the plan. Like that shouldn't change any. Uh, even though I I wonder, you know, if how the decisions are, are going to get made because you know they question themselves and kind of go back and forth of you know if if he were to come out and not look you know like his regular self. 
then then the leash is really short, and and that's why I would prepare almost a, a level of true uh, of get you know maybe get Charlie ready to to be able to be a guy who can who can come out of the pen you know do something because he's a he's a veteran guy he's a guy who can who can switch up his role maybe a little bit better uh, and, and I just I love the stuff from Spencer Strider and so it's it's just a, such a a tough decision to have to make um, but you also you, know, you talk about the kind of guy that Spencer Strider is and. For this to happen to him, he's at such a different level of maturity than anyone in in his mm-hmm. age and his position. Yeah. Uh, Brian Snicker spent a lot of time talking about that very thing and, and his specifically his maturity and how he handles himself. Uh, and so I'm not really concerned the between the ears stuff. It's more oh. of just you know give him the time to to work from this you know and and heal. Yeah, and the time is is really what it takes. You no know, bleaks are such a you know. It's an injury that the littlest thing can cause it yeah. to be a bigger thing again. So I, I think that the, as far as level of concern is, you know, with a, when you hear oblique injury, you know that this is probably a matter of weeks, not a matter of days, not a matter of, oh, well, we'll give him a week, you know, singular, and he'll be able to go on. You figure it could be a plural thing as far as the discomfort is concerned. But, you know, as far as severities and all those things, the Braves really haven't gotten too much into that. So you still hold out hope that this the, the bit of rest that he is having is something that's going to be an overall positive for him because when this first cropped up, you know, the conversation was, you know, he would have pitched if it were up to him, and Brian Snitker said yeah. verbatim, we took that decision out of his hands because we wanted to err on the side of caution in this case. And it's also something to to point out the fact of this didn't happen because of, like, stressful innings or no. something like that. No. Like, it, it was weird to me that I thought, you know, if he was going to have this type of injury, I would have expected it after the San Francisco start where he really had to gut through it there, you know, especially yeah. at the beginning of that start. And then he gets the Philly one, and he kind of breathes. I wouldn't say breezes through it, but he got through it relatively easily. Uh, and so it, it, this is not like a, a stress-induced sort of thing. Like you said, this is very finicky, uh, fluky sor- sort of injury. Uh, that uh, that hopefully he can work back from. Yeah, and the Braves are going to need him to, quite obviously. The regular season, though, they're going to have to make some different plans. So now we need to kind of, you know, un, un I don't know what we do here, get to the other layers of the onion. I had a great analogy there, and it escaped me. But there are a lot of different layers to what's not really going exactly right for the Braves rotation. It ain't Max Freed. It's not Kyle Wright. It's not even Charlie Morton, who's had his ups and downs this year. Once you have Spencer Strider on the injured list and you're already kind of tapping on other pitchers to come in and help you out to lengthen this rotation beyond just the fifth spot, you also have Jake Odorizzi who came over as one of the trade acquisitions when the Braves sent Will Smith over to the Houston Astros. You thought that at the time at least, if the struggles of Ian Anderson continued, okay, you got a veteran fallback option here. But then, of course, you know that different things can happen throughout the course of a year where other guys are feeling it. you got to skip a couple of starts. Injured list stints can come along and you know, you'll take all the rotational depth you can get, but Atlanta's rotational depth has taken some big hits here in the month of September. It's not just Spencer Strider. So the performance of Jake Odorizzi is even more so under the microscope, and it doesn't get much worse than what happened on Friday night in Philadelphia. One of the worst starts by any Braves pitcher all season long. Eight earned runs over the course of four innings. This was one of those where, yeah, the offense didn't show up again, and that's fine, but I don't think you can really take the focus off of what didn't go right on the mound in game two against the Phillies. And I guess the question becomes, you know, how many more opportunities can you give him right now? Or are you kind of cornered and forced to just stick with him at least another time or two? I mean, time is ticking down on the season, obviously, but you don't have the same options that you had even a month ago to say, all right, he's done. Let's try this over here. There are a couple, but you're already going to be calling on him because you don't have Spencer Strider. 
that was really the crucial hit was you had Bryce Elder there available that you knew could plug in that spot in case Odorizzi had one of these types of starts where, you know, it was almost you wondered after the the rain delay game where he said mm-hmm. he was able to look in the mirror, or fix yeah. his, a, a mechanical issue, and you thought, okay, cool, we're we're rolling, you know, gonna get back to Making the guy, adjustments, yeah. yeah, that he had looked in in Houston, which wasn't bad, but necessarily wasn't yeah. great, you know, just just a, a back fifth, of the rotation, you know, exactly, right. you know, and that was exactly what you were expecting from him, and then you reach this level of, you know, when when you're having to go, well, do you go Jake Odorizzi or do you? You know, look at Kyle Muller, and yeah. and you know, that's not a position you want to be in, especially down the stretch headed towards the playoffs because of what you had seen from Kyle Muller earlier in the season. Uh, and and also, you know, there is that element of they made the trade for him, they spent the money on him, yeah. they want to use him. Uh, but I think we've reached a point now after the Philly start. I don't want to see Jake, Jake Odorizzi pitch again for the, for this team this season. I mean, I'm sorry. You, you have to have serious questions. I don't think you need to apologize for it because, <laughs> I mean, this is a results-driven business at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, and that's what sports is. I mean, and, and trust me, nobody knows any more than, you know, me that these are people out there too, and they are doing that, and I do subscribe to that line of thought. But, yeah. you know, this is a performance-driven business. you got to get those results, and you can't look at the body of work for Jake Odorizzi and say that it's, A, been consistent, and B, giving you a chance to win more times than not. It simply has not. Those are the numbers. That's what they say. Those are in black and white. Those are kept forever. It's baseball. We count everything. If you look at Kyle Muller right now, the month of September has not been kind to him in Gwinnett. There's been a few more rocky starts for him. Yeah, he's still got the big strikeout stuff. Yes, he helped the Braves out big time in a doubleheader against Miami about a month or so ago. Uh I wouldn't completely hesitate to turn to him, but now you know without Spencer Strider, Bryce Elder's role and the one that he has filled quite admirably in his three starts in the second half is the guy that you're going to have to utilize to get you through at least that turn in rotation when it comes along. you got to, I think, try to figure out some way to line up Max Fried and Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton in some order against the New York Mets if you can make that happen. I mean, it may be a practical impossibility with Strider now out We'll see what the Braves decide to do. We already know Elder's going to be throwing one of these games up in Washington on this road trip, but will it be Kyle Muller? Will it be Jake Odorizzi again? Do you want to throw Jake Odorizzi at the Mets again because he's had some troubles with the New York Mets, and that's obviously not the only club that he's had some trouble with. But I heard Brian Snitker make a really interesting comment, and it kind of brings me to the one other thing I wanted to bring up as far as bad news on the injury front, which is is definitely not a segment I want to be doing every week, but you know, Mike Soroka was shut down for the season with some elbow discomfort, some irritation there. They did all the tests. There's no structural damage for him. But I think maybe optimistically, maybe not realistically, did you have the expectation that Mike would be able to factor in. But, gosh, it sure would be nice if he was healthy and it had you know a, a modicum of success at Gwinnett that made you feel good enough about it that you could say, hey, we can use Mike Soroka to at least take one of these turns. Well, you don't have that option now. Ian Anderson's out for the year with his oblique problem as well. All of a sudden, all that pitching depth I was talking about pretty much comes down to you got two spots, and you got Bryce Elder, and you got Jake Odorizzi, and you got Kyle Muller, and you're going to have to figure it out because Spencer Strider is now off the board. Yeah, that's why, like, this is not a good time of year for these things to happen. The this, this stuff with Ian Anderson, like, even more unfortunate because yeah. it seemed like he was a guy who was sent down to Gwinnett for a very specific purpose. Go get right so that you can help us down the stretch of, of, yeah, of, of the season. And with the Soroka thing, I think he was very much a, a wishful thinking sure. to to really expect that this year. 
it seems like even with them shutting him down right now, that it's more of a like a kid gloves approach of like, mm-hmm. all right, the goal the goal is twenty twenty three. We're we're going to take this seriously in the spring of twenty twenty three and see if we've got something. Yeah. Uh, other otherwise, you know, there was no real. We're going to bring this guy up yeah. and and hope he's the a, organization did not place that yeah. expectation on him. I think that everybody optimistically around the organization or in the fan base would have loved to have seen that story. And after that sure. first start he threw for the Rome Braves, which <laughs> is a ball, you might have felt like it was possible, but it just did not happen. And now the Braves are in a very interesting place coming down the stretch where uh, what looked like a strength for them and still is in three parts of the rotation and perhaps the fourth, if you look at what Bryce Elder has done is not as sure as it was this time a month ago. So that's what's going on with the Atlanta Braves, their rotation, and, of course, a pivotal road trip for them as they try to salvage a split in Philadelphia. They'll try to beat up on the Washington Nationals. Then the New York Mets are going to roll into town as well. we got a lot more to get to here on From the Diamond. We're going to take a look at what's happening in the National and American Leagues up next as we continue. Grant McCauley, Caleb Johnson with you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Baseball. Talking Braves and beyond. Baseball. With From the Diamond, Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. This is From the Diamond. Grant McCauley, Caleb Johnson with you from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. We appreciate you making us part of your Saturday afternoon as we continue to talk about what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. We'll get you set for the remainder of the weekend and, of course, the rest of the road trip, which will include a stop in Washington, D.C., and, in fact, a trip to the White House. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But let's take a look, Caleb, at what's going on across the world of baseball and specifically you know, how these pennant races are stacking up at this point. I think we kind of know in a lot of cases, I guess, where the teams that have already clinched their spot, um, where they're going to be and who they're going to face perhaps is what we're looking to find out because we need this wild card picture uh, to come into focus. Both the Mets and the Braves have clinched their playoff spots, but as it happens for the Braves, a two-and-a-half game deficit as of the beginning of play on Saturday, you want to have it manageable with the three head-to-head games left with the Mets, but the Braves have to sweep that series to have the tiebreaker because keep in mind now with the format, there is no game 163. It just goes into head-to-head records, and you just move along uh, organically based on what you've already done. I think that's a pretty crazy change and maybe something that a lot of folks haven't thought about to this point either. It definitely is a part of it that that people haven't realized, and it's because it necessarily hasn't come into play just right. yet. You know, And I think it's, it's going to take an instance like this very thing happening where, I mean, it, it, it's strange that like the Braves and the Mets are the real – they're the only – real um you know pennant watch to to look at you know like everybody else is pretty much handedly taking uh yep. taking their division uh, and and everything's kind of setting into place but mm-hmm. like this is the position where things could could really get swapped yeah. uh, uh pretty quickly and and hopefully you know it is competitive by the time they reach the Mets yeah and i think that it it'll be you know quote unquote competitive and keep it in mind we can talk about all we want to because they had to head nature of it every single game is a Mets win and a, <laughs> yeah. a and a Braves loss or a Braves win and a Mets loss and it's a full game in the standings but there's still a whole other series on the other side for both these teams it's just the Nationals and the Marlins are involved and you know both of these clubs could you know believably conceivably go out and win those series, and then it's just pretty much you didn't get anywhere. It's the head-to-head games that are the biggest, and there's no two ways about that. But, yeah, you look at across the National League, you know, in the Central, the Cardinals are winding it down. They have a chance, though the Brewers are showing some signs of life, looking like it's going to be too little too late, seven and a half games back, heading into the final, what, 10, 11 games for them as well. 
Dodgers have cakewalked to the title out in the West. They've got a chance to go for the most wins in franchise history, and this is a club that dates back to the early days of the National League, quite obviously, but they just got done setting this record a couple times in the last three years, and now they can obliterate it this year. They're on a 111-win pace. That's pretty darn good, and we already knew the Dodgers were pretty darn good. But here's the weird thing about them. Like, they're not without their own struggles. Of course. Like, they just pulled Craig Kimbrell from the closer role, and they're going to go by committee now moving forward. Which, which is, is something that gives people anxiety. Absolutely, yeah. Beyond bad closer. Closer by committee <laughs> is one of the worst phrases I feel well, like you can hear. It's the same. You know, you think about the game of football, and you go, oh, no, we've got two quarterbacks. No, no, no. If you've got oh. two quarterbacks, you've got none. If, you, if you're, yeah. you've got a committee of closers, you don't have a closer. No, and that's why I feel like the Braves really wanted to have the solidarity of, and I know it might be a figurehead position in a lot of ways, it may be kind of an old school way of looking at it, and we know that pitcher wins don't mean everything to starters, and saves don't mean everything to who's the best reliever. That's what I mean, is there's so many other ways to look at it. But yeah, Craig Kimbrell in Los Angeles has not exactly been the upgrade that many people might have thought it would be over the guy that left town, which is Kenley Jansen, who... You know, I saw a lot of people that were like, hey, good luck with that because it's going to be, you know, a bumpy ride. Yeah, there have been some bumpy rides. There have been a couple of bad weeks this year where Kinley has blown some saves. And, you know, by and large, though, I mean, this has not been a, a worst-case scenario for the Braves at closer. And not fortunately, they have more good relievers around him that can throw in leverage positions than you go get, Rysel Iglesias. So if it does go wrong, you got another guy who's done the job, the closing job, and I feel like that's important to have. Uh, one of the big stories, of course, uh, that we talk about here in the National League side of things is the St. Louis Cardinals have been you know, taking care of business in the Central. They're on the cusp of you know, locking that division down. But a huge highlight on Friday night out in Los Angeles where Albert Pujols joined the 700 home run club. That is a group that has now four members in that club. Of course, you got Barry Bonds, who is the all-time home run leader. You've got the home run king, Hank Aaron, and you've got the babe, you talk about some company to be in. Albert Pujols, who already had a Cooperstown resume several times over, he just did something that only the best of the best have done. It's one of those things that it it ages me, I feel, and, and everybody, because they start going to where, you know, where where, where were you when Albert Pujols hit his first home run? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in first grade. And so, like, yeah, that I was in college. <laughs> and so, like, but that tells you, like, that's how long this man – has been hitting the cover off the baseball and and to reach this point is really cool. You would have loved for him to maybe get hotter earlier, and so he's got a real chance towards the the Babe Ruth record. But yeah, but I'll take what we got in the second yeah, half though because same. of the improbable nature of it. Because yeah. there was a poll I know John Boy Media pointed this out. That I think they took the poll either at the end of last year or the start of this year. Will Albert Pujols make it to 700 home runs after he had signed with the Cardinals? And 86% of respondents to that, and it was just several thousand people that voted in it, said, no, he's just not going to get there. This second half, pretty much after that home run derby in Los Angeles, no less, uh, was pretty amazing to watch. And, you know, again, it's a record that yeah, we'll still see 400, 500 home run club guys, though even that's going to be a little more challenging. you got the Bryce Harpers and Mike Trouts and, Guys that should get there, of course. Maybe Manny Machado has an outside shot at this, and I'm probably not remembering a few guys that uh, that could, and you know, all due respect to them. But 500 home runs is still a hell of an accomplishment, even if the steroid era had you feeling like, oh, maybe it's not as big a deal anymore because the club got really big really fast, and now it started to really wane down. Well, it was going back and looking at what Albert has done in years past because it was you know, hearing – 
21 home runs this year. You know, you yeah. think like, oh, that's a pretty decent season. But then you go back and you look at last year with the Dodgers, 12. All right, for a, a guy of, of his point in his career, very respectable. He had had some bad years previously where he hit five home runs with the Angels in 2021. Before and, getting released and signing with the Dodgers, that kind of resuscitated his career. Yeah, and so it's one of those, like, you went single digits in a, in a shortened season in 2020, uh, and then, you know, a really rough year to start with the Angels. Um, and so just kind of going along, like, you just didn't see 21 out of Albert no. Pujols, uh in, in 2022, and, and yet it was so exciting. and. Is interesting to see too because now as you've got like uh, cable wars for for coverage, you had Apple TV Plus get this game. They they did yeah. not get the other game that you know everybody's still still uh, paying attention to the Yankees and what could happen th- over there. Yeah, uh, but they get uh, number seven hundred from Albert Pujols, and now the uh, the chase goes for getting the ball back. I don't know yeah, if you had seen. I saw but this. Ben Verlander put this out there that that ball did not go home with Albert Pujols. It didn't the night of. You know there were some negotiations that took place. Now it's reported that it's in the ballpark of two million dollars to get that ball back. Wow. Yeah. Like that's that's the point that we've gotten. And so uh, you know that 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 lucky fan who thankfully wasn't the. Uh, Oh, who's the guy who was oh, like Zach Hampel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thankfully it wasn't awful. him. No, he's an, an awful individual when it comes to some of the things that he has done, and I don't want to waste too much airtime on him. But yes, I, and and I talked about this I think with Carl and Mike about a week or two ago. Like, what happens if you catch Aaron Judge's sixty first or sixty second homer or whatever the big ball is going to be for him? He's reached sixty, but if he breaks, you know, Maris's record, ties Maris, whatever it is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to ask for? I'm like. I want to sell that thing because I've worked in radio and I understand, you know, how important it is to carve out a good living for yourself and yeah. to supplement that in any which way you can at times. So I, I don't begrudge any fan that gets this and doesn't want to trade it for an autographed bat. I just don't. And we've seen how crazy these auctions can be. And I know that some of it is what about Barry Bonds, 73rd homer or his 756th homer and, you know, Mark Echo buying it and blowing it up or sending it into space or whatever it was that happened to it. But, <laughs> I don't begrudge anybody for that. Uh, let's real quick just kind of take a look at the American League because we did bring up Aaron Judge, and he's also on a date with history. And while everybody's been watching for him to tie Roger Maris, including the Maris family, which has been up at Yankee Stadium, which I think is a really cool touch. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know that there's a segment of fans like, I hate the Yankees. I, I never want to see any of them do good. But Aaron Judge is the ultimate example of betting on yourself because he turned down <laughs> over $200 million yep. in an extension offer from New York to play out his free agent season, and now he has a chance to set that club's all-time home run record. And when you are in a sentence that is, you know, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Babe Ruth, you've already gotten way past Lou Gehrig and Reggie Jackson and some of the other guys that had some pretty darn good years there as well, and I'm, I'm making it a short list, this is some historic stuff that's going on and the kind of thing that we're not going to see too terribly often. For it to be happening in the Bronx, in Yankee pinstripes, I think that just adds a certain air of allure to it and history to it, and I'm really rooting for Aaron Judge to at least match Maris's record, and at the rate he's on, he can do it in any given night. It's just a matter of are they going to throw him strikes? Yeah, I think it's also it's really cool because it has brought the game of baseball um, to the forefront. Like, a lot of people are, are paying attention right now. I, I even know... Some casuals. Like, yeah, well, yeah. like, ESPN's been doing, like, splits box where, you know, mm-hmm. they're, like, they're putting a college football game in a box on the left-hand side and putting, you know, the Yankees game... That's the, no small thing <laughs> for baseball. Not at all. So I think it's really cool. Like, you've, you've reached this point, and 
for the type of person, like, I know to some people that doesn't matter, but Aaron Judge, truly, like, just a really likable kind of guy, yeah. a, a really easy to to want to root for him. And, and you're right. You know, I, like, I'm a guy who grew up on the Yankees, you know, ruining for me my childhood of wanting Several to see. Several Octobers, yeah, yes. Exactly. Well, you know, so many World Series, you know, it feels like that, that the Braves should have at this point. Um, but I set that aside to go, yeah, what Aaron Judge is, is trying to pull off right now. And, and I think he'll match and surpass it. And then it becomes, you know, how far past can yeah. he can he push it? it it's just uh, it, it's fun. It, it, it makes this time of year even more fun on top of all of the, the playoff race and everything else. And I think allowing one of these and I know it's not the record anymore. It's still the American League record. It's still the Yankees franchise record. Yeah. The, the mayor is 61. That is. I know that. Sammy Sosa hit 60 homers three times. He never led the league in home runs because McGuire did it twice and Bonds did it the other time. That's one of the craziest baseball stats I have for you on a show that can be full of baseball stats. But it's cool to see it organically kind of coming around again because I do think we needed like this breather between all of the furor and hand-wringing that went on about the performance-enhancing drug mm-hmm. problems that the, the game clearly had for a 5, 10, or more year, but very concentrated 5- or 10-year period where – everybody knew something was going on and how are you going to police and try to correct it? Well, now we're coming along, I think far enough along away from it to enjoy something like this again. So it's cool to see that happening. And in the parallel or or in stereo, seeing Albert Pujols get to 700 home runs. I just thought it was a fun week for baseball. The 60th home run for Aaron Judge, that already in and of itself, if he doesn't hit another one, that's that's quite a milestone, quite an accomplishment and should help him to, uh, you know, have his name on a very large check in the offseason. Uh, as far as the uh, the NL um, uh, races are concerned, we know the Cardinals are on the cusp of wrapping things up. Mets and Braves coming down to the wire in the east, and then out west, the Dodgers have already taken care of their business. you got the Braves, the Phillies, and the Padres in wild card position. Milwaukee all of a sudden has won a handful of games. They're two games back in the wild card, but they're going to need both the Phillies and the Padres to do a fair amount of losing. On the American League side, the Yankees have picked a good time for a winning streak. they got Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton hitting the walk-off grand slams, among other things, happening and it looks like they're going to be able to hold on to that division after it appeared to be teetering at the start of the month of September. But the Rays and the Jays are also in the playoffs if it ended today as they are tied for the top wild card spot. The Mariners, meanwhile, Caleb, <laughs> have hit a bit of a tailspin, and Julio Rodriguez to the injured list. That's a real bummer. It is. Uh, I think at the same point, like, you know, they've reached a, a level of like, you're just like crossing your fingers of like, come on, you know, the Mariners can do this. They, they go out and, uh, and you know, sign a a big arm that's going to be yeah, around with their Luis franchise, Castillo. yeah, for yeah. for a long time. So you know, it feels like there's so much positive with them this season that you kind of hope, you know, just you want to see them finally get over that hump and and make the playoffs. Yeah. Breaking a 20 year playoff drought, yeah. I think they'll be happy. They'll start there and then you know work ahead and see what else they can accomplish out there. Um, in the American League wildcard race, as I mentioned, the Rays and the Jays and the Mariners, but the the Baltimore Orioles, the little engine that could. They're only three games back. We'll see if they're able to make some noise over the final week and a half. That's a look across the leagues for both the National and the American League as we take our look around the big leagues. We are going to wrap things up with a look at what's ahead for the Atlanta Braves. This critical stretch drive continues over the next week and a half. We'll talk about it next. Grant McCauley, Caleb Johnson. This is From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I love baseball. Now back to more Grant McCauley and From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back to From the Diamond. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you wrapping things up here, heading toward the top of the hour. We hope you've enjoyed the ride along with us. 
Make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond wherever you get your podcasts. Also, find us on the Odyssey app. Uh, the Braves, meanwhile, have a great opportunity in front of them still, even though the Mets have managed to put a little breathing room between themselves and the Braves over the past couple of days, Caleb. This is still a manageable deficit in the National League East with that three-game series and a handful of other opportunities, if they, you know, maybe the wind's blowing the right way, for the Braves to either pick up a game or two and have themselves where they want to be. But we've talked about a lot of this at the top of the show and in the first hour, really, about what is ailing Atlanta right now. And they have shown some signs this year, particularly, I feel like, of going through these little offensive lulls and then breaking out of it in a big-time inning or big-time day, but it's being able to find that consistency. That, I feel like, is what the Braves offense is really looking for. They needed to get the pressure off of themselves. I feel like on Saturday in Philadelphia, maybe they've started to move that ball, no pun intended, in the right direction, but it's not about just putting up a crooked number one day. It's about getting this offense back on track and getting quite a few hitters back and going again to really put themselves in the position they need to be, particularly with questions in the starting rotation for the final 11 games. Yeah, and, and I think, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's like it's not going to be any cakewalks, especially having to face your division the rest of the way. Uh, no one's going to lay down. And, no. and while it is true, like no one is going to lay down, I will say going from the Nationals mm-hmm. to the Mets, you know, to, to kind of jump into that series right there, like, that is helpful because, you know, that is a team who obviously the Braves have had a lot of success against in this season um, and can help with morale. You know, if, if you can kind of beat up on a team who has already decided they are out of things, um, that that does help. And it's, just, it's like it's the Philly series, though, that makes you go, um, you know, like like this should not be the position that they're in. However, like I said earlier, you know, Ronald Acuna being out of the lineup again, right. like there is that correlation there um, that that he's got to get healthy, especially as they hit that Mets series because you know two and a half is is mm-hmm. not out of things by any stretch of the imagination. However, you don't want to go into Washington and lose a couple and then no. really not be competitive once you reach the Mets. Yeah, I think Corey McCartney would refer to this as a trap series. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. Sure. We'll see how it all works out, but. There are four big pieces of injury news for the Braves that have all occurred in the last basically seven days. You lose Ozzie Albies. That obviously is one of the one of the things I think is going to sting the most. You got Ronald Acuna Jr. dealing with the back ailment that's keeping him out of the lineup in Philadelphia. That is also not great. Now you got Spencer Strider on the injured list with the oblique issue that you've got to kind of you know manage as best you can, and rest is probably the best way to manage it. And on top of that, if you needed a OPS. Mike Soroka's elbow injury. I mean, this is a club that got hit with four kind of major pieces of injury news all in a very small amount of time. So, you know, the offensive struggles that this team is having, I feel like more times than not, you know, Friday night's game in Philadelphia notwithstanding, the Braves pitching staff is doing a pretty good job of, of giving the team at least a chance to win. I, I still just circle this offense and say, you guys have got to get going. What's that, that Simpsons meme? Do something. Just poke <laughs> yeah, exactly, them with a stick and get yeah. them moving again because this is a club that has too many talented hitters to be down for too long in the way that they've been over the past at least week and at times some very, very highs, uh, some some highs and some very lows for this offense in the month of September. Yeah, and look, they've they've held together with some some unsung heroes really pulling them up. You know, yeah. Michael Harris, yep. you know, Robbie Grossman, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, even Vaughn having to come back and, and switching that mindset from, okay, I'm headed to the bench now. I'm going to be used in a, in a very sparingly role to, you know, like 24 hours later, it's, it's like, all nope, changes. I yeah. am the starting second baseman again 
for the foreseeable future, you know, until we're, we're done this year. Uh, and so, like, that's another element of, of this that uh, just kind of – it adds to everything. Uh, you know, Thankfully, you're in a position where Orlando Arcia's injury wasn't a, as bad as, mm-hmm. as initially thought, and so he can come in – And close well, games for you. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but but he can come in and, and you know, play that third base role when, yep. when you need to give him at Olsen you yep. know, an opportunity and – and you're not struggling even more because I think some people might have looked at that opportunity of, of you know, Ronald can't go and you need to give Matt the day off of like, all right, well, you're throwing in the towel for that game mm-hmm. and, and just letting another one waste away. And it's like, no, 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 they're not. Like, they still have enough talented bats that, you know, Riley can slide over, play first, and and they can they can put this thing together to yeah. uh, to, to get a very necessary win uh, to, by the point you, you hit Washington, um, you know, you're still you're right there in it, uh, and, and then hopefully you can get out of out of these slumps at the at the top of the lineup. Now, if you can get any help whatsoever from Oakland to beat the Mets on a day oh, that the yeah. Braves also win, that would be big. But counting on the Oakland A's, we know to win baseball games in 2022. Well, I don't know that you're going to really have a high success rate <laughs> with that. However, it's not just about this three game series against the Mets. It's just it doesn't get any bigger than that for the Braves in the regular season. But the bigger games and the bigger goal is still ahead. So, yes, by all means, try to win the division because then you get a bye. That would be super helpful because then you get at least a little bit more time where you don't have to worry about setting that postseason rotation just yet because you want Spencer Strider to be a part of that. But it's not going to buy you a ton of time. But the fewer postseason games and rounds that you have to play before you get to the big ones, the LDS, the NLCS, and, of course, the World Series, You'll take what you can get. So that's worth fighting for for both the Mets and the Braves. It's just New York happens to have the advantage with that right now. Uh, when the Braves head to the White, or, excuse me, head to Washington, they'll stop off in the White House on Monday to celebrate their World Series win. So that'll be a cool thing. Every team, I think, at some point would like to make that kind of a trip. And for the Braves, better late than never. They're sneaking it in on uh, what is basically their last big road trip of the year. And then they've got the Nationals on Monday through Wednesday. They'll get a well-timed off day before that Mets series begins. The Mets, meanwhile, they will have the Oakland Athletics for the remainder of the weekend. And as you mentioned, they're going to get the Miami Marlins again. And trust me, the Marlins, they're not feeling any sort of way as far as good vibes are concerned between the Braves or the Mets. I know the Braves and the Marlins have a little bit of history that uh, tends to go sideways at times. But you got Sandy Alcantara and some uh, very good pitchers that the Mets could be facing they could run into a speed bump here or there in that series that could benefit the Braves. Atlanta just has to do the thing they've done and win the game in front of them. Yeah, it was actually you know something that uh, a mutual friend of ours, Chris Willis, was just talking about the other day from Battery Power, where he was like, you know, don't think that Miami doesn't want to get Sandy Alcantara in that final series because that's a guy who's going to go for the Cy Young Award. Yeah, and so you know to to put. Uh, a game like that, you know, to be able to potentially put the Braves away and, and cause them to not win the division uh, because of Sandy Alcantara, like that is a thing to add to your resume that could make you, you know, very likely to to win that award. So that's what you say, you know, like there are no teams just falling over to, to say uh, like the uh, Oakland Athletics might be where it's like, yeah, you know, I've even seen some discussion where the A's were like, oh, should they start playing for 2023 rules and, and you know, prepare for uh, the shift, uh, the band shift and, you know, the pitch clock and everything like that. Like, that seems to be the mindset. That was one of their TV broadcasters said that a couple weeks ago. Gracious. And it was like, that's where their mindset is. And and so, you know, the, the Braves aren't as lucky to run into yeah. a team like that. Uh, and, and so, you know, you've got to take what's in front of you uh, and, and hopefully, you know, 
get some wins. Like, yeah. Make this thing competitive. And this is kind of an aside, but something that you know I feel like bringing up because it's my show and I'm going to do it. But uh, <laughs> Stephen Vogt, who was a member of the 2021 World Champion Braves, one of the many catchers that came in while Travis Darno was hurt, he did announce his retirement after a decade in the big leagues, winning the World Series with the Braves. I met Steven in 2009 in A-ball, rode around on the buses with him for a couple of years down in Florida. This was a guy that was this close, and I mean this close, to kind of calling it a career at age 24, 25 after hurting his shoulder in a home plate collision in 2009 and realizing, hey, I'm going to come back to A-ball for the fourth consecutive year and I'm going to be in my mid-20s. His wife said, yo, it to yourself after doing all the rehab to go out there and try it for one more year, and if it doesn't work out, well, you know, you tried it. There's so many other things that we can do together and you can do in your life, and that'll be uh, all all great. And he came back and ended up kind of in a logjam of prospects and was basically so far down the depth chart. He wasn't really supposed to play, but then what do you know? Some guys didn't hit, and Stephen Vogt just started hitting and didn't stop for a couple of years. And by opening day of 2012, he found himself on the Tampa Bay Rays. And then by the postseason of 2013, he was getting walk-off hits for the Oakland Athletics and a couple of all-star games and uh, quite a good career for him, but just one of the all-time great people that you'll ever meet in the game. So I just want to say, you know, congrats on a major league career that, you know, was this close to maybe not happening, but I think it underscores the value of the perseverance and what you can achieve if you're able to stay committed and go through some of the lows to get back to some of the highs. And he certainly got to enjoy some of those highs. Really cool personal note for me to see him win that World Series with the Braves. It was awesome to see him in that parade enjoying himself because that's the highest of highs you can get as a player is winning that World Series. Yeah, kudos to him. I, I didn't see that he had retired. Uh, he was a guy that I rooted for heavily when he came up uh, with the Braves last year, and that was because I had my own interaction with him. Uh, I think it was back in, in 2016. Uh, I think it was last season of Turner Field yeah. where that was a year that you – I was a college student. You could buy tickets extremely cheap. I bought some tickets to a Braves A's game, uh, and there was this catcher, you know, Stephen Volk, and I was kind of like, you know, yeah, I've kind of heard about him, uh, and I had a ball with me that it was like, well, if any Braves players come by, I'll try to get it signed, whatever. And uh, Stephen was there, and and he was signing autographs, uh, and then he he just struck up a, a short conversation with me as I was sitting just a you know like two rows away from where he was signing. Very friendly guy. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, would you sign this ball? Because I thought, well, nobody is coming by. And I, I held on to the ball, and it was like, well, this is never going to be worth much. You know, I, this guy's not much of, you know, he's just just a regular Joe catcher, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, and, but he was just so friendly, and then I started rooting for him, and then he obviously, he, you know, he had some success after that point. Uh, and then to come back with a brace, so you're, you're right. You know, just a, a class act of, of a guy. And, and it's cool to hear that even before then that he was that type of person. Yep. Uh, so kudos to him on on a, on a career that he got to – he got his ring. You know, he, he, he got that uh, that World Series ring, and, and so that's awesome for him. I think he got rewarded for the journey. And it is yeah. about the journey. The destination is something we all focus on. But <laughs> that, that journey can, can teach you so much and give you so much over that time. And if Stephen Vogt wants to get into a long coaching or managerial career – I think he's going to have the opportunities to do that. Great player, even better person. It'll be interesting to see what occurs for him. But as far as what the focus is on the Braves, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than trying to do what they can to salvage the series in Philadelphia over the weekend. Kyle Wright getting the ball on Saturday, gunning for his 20th win of the season. That hasn't happened since 2003 for a Braves pitcher. That's one of the stories we're monitoring. Then I think on Sunday, you really want to see Charlie Morton go out and strengthen that postseason, you know, kind of, uh, I won't say resume, because with the the doubt around Spencer Strider, at least at the moment, 
you, you hope he's ready for the postseason, but you want to make sure you got Charlie Morton gassed up and ready to go because he has pitched well on that stage. A good start down the stretch, a couple of good starts down the stretch would make you feel just a lot better about where you're trending in this rotation given all the news we've seen in the past at 24, 48 hours. Yeah, he needs an easy start, one that doesn't feel just so long and, yeah, and, and tedious. Uh, you know, he needs an easy start, and he needs some confidence to be built as he heads uh, into the postseason. And then obviously with, with you know, potentially we're going to see Bryce Elder once again. Uh, and I feel like, has anyone talked about the fact of Bryce Elder came back up with the beard. You know, yeah. he, had, he had the baby face and, and no, things he's a true elder. Yeah, and, and Bryce came back, <laughs> and, and we've given so much attention to Spencer Strider and the stash, yeah. but I feel like we've not given enough love to Bryce Elder and the beard and how much, you know, the the – the, the wise, you know, mm-hmm. hair growth is, has really helped him on the mound, uh, and and hopefully he can he can you know continue that moving forward. Hey, if some of us, it's all we have to work with. <laughs> Absolutely, so, you know, I'd you, look twelve you, if I didn't have one. You've got to do what you can, but no, Bryce Elder's done yeoman's work for the Braves at the back end of that rotation to really help them get through. I think both some arm troubles for, uh, or at least some arm fatigue. For Kyle Wright, you know, opportunity to maybe, you know, just stretch things out and give guys a little bit of extra rest. And, of course, with what's going on with Spencer Strider, the Braves need as much as they can get from Bryce Elder and company. That's going to wrap us up here on From the Diamond. We had a great time with you, as always. We look forward to many more and many bigger games down the stretch. And, of course, that postseason run. And make sure you're following us along here on 92.9 The Game. We're going to have some great postseason stuff coming your way. We're very excited about that. Caleb, as always, I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been fun, man. I've uh, I've enjoyed the last two weeks. I look good. forward to seeing you out at the ballpark very soon. Steven, thanks very much for all your help. We appreciate it. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to From the Diamond. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we look forward to talking to you next Saturday right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.